This is Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. Welcome to Human V Robot, a podcast about the intersection of humanity and technology. I'm Andy Vanny, and I'm here with my sister, Heather Hallgrimson. Heather, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good, but I would like to disclose my full humanity here. Like I said, I'm not a robot. I'm feeling like kind of tired. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, a little draggy, but you know, it's okay. We had a bit of a long weekend, so I was out in Saskatchewan uh, just for the listeners uh, to place this in time a little bit maybe uh we my parent our parents i guess had a uh 50th anniversary and uh so yeah for my updates i was thinking of talking just a little bit about that because it was uh it was fun to see everyone we we talked about doing some in-person recordings but didn't get around to it uh just busyness and life and all that stuff uh but it was cool to to see everyone Um, yeah well, you might yeah. as well just go right into your update. I'll go next. Yeah. You go first. Okay, sounds good. Um, yeah, so I drove out to Saskatchewan and I was telling um, telling everyone basically like it's funny how the drive gets so much shorter as my kids get older. <laughs> it was like <laughs> it's super long when they were very young, but now it's like totally manageable. It's a, about a seven-hour drive. Um, and assuming the weather holds out which it kind of didn't on the way back it was pretty bad but uh it was a decent drive though and uh yeah it was a good turnout um i was a little surprised how many people were there i think i'm bad with numbers but i would say like between 50 and 100 maybe at the i i think around 50 yeah yeah something like that yeah it was sort of a full weekend of activities i guess um, I texted mom yesterday and she had texted me earlier and she was like, it was a great weekend. And she just wanted to say she got home safe because the weather was bad on the roads. Yeah. And I didn't answer because I was just so tired. Like I, I'm like, that was a lot of people like yeah. for me. Oh, I was so peopled out. <laughs> yeah. I think we're both a little like that. I, maybe me. A, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know who's more social, but we're both like. Somewhat social, but get burned out with too much of that, I think. Yeah. 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 It's definitely um, not the place I draw my energy from if you're going to those sort of like introvert, extrovert measures. Yeah. Um, I like being around people and I get like sort of bummed out if I don't see enough people like anyone would. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's just kind of exhausting after a while. I'm like, can we, can I just be alone for like a bit? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it was good. Sure. I mean, that doesn't happen very often, so... Yeah. Cool. And for your update, uh, you wanted to talk a little about FTX or? Well, uh, I went there. We had a, (laughs) yeah, we had a, um, a dinner the one night, just the adults, um, with sort of the part of the festivities on the weekend. And, um, I I find that, uh, people outside of tech know very little about what's going on in FTX, which is fine. Like I wouldn't either probably. Yeah. Um, I don't care, but I'm really amazed at the scale of the problem that went down. And I was wondering, like, I just sort of started to wonder to what extent is what went on there really about crypto and about tech? And to what extent is it actually just about people doing bad things? Like, um, bad actors, I don't know what you call people not acting in good faith, not being honest and open about what they're doing or who they are or, um, you know, what they say they stand for. 
and yeah. taking advantage of loopholes that exist in the world. Um, and I think if you look at it from the perspective of, you know, the whole crypto system is broken and the whole thing's on shaky ground, well, you can make some guesses, I guess, about how effective that technology might be in the future or what value it has to our society. Uh, or at the same time, I mean, it's hard to draw conclusions about like an industry from a failed company. Yeah. Um, so I, I just sort of th started thinking about it in that lens when the scale of the situation came to light. Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to actually add into my um, list of updates um, is my husband uh, sells real estate. And this morning he sent me a uh, link to an article where um, I think for the one of the first time ever, at least in Canada, um, somebody has signed a um, virtual con like a, a contract in VR that's legally okay. enforceable. This is huge for real estate, actually, oh, wow. yeah. because um, some places will accept DocuSign signatures yeah. um, as proof, like the witness is the DocuSign. Um, yeah. But a lot of places won't accept that. And it's, it's interesting here about legislation is a lot of it is so old that like the internet barely existed at the time it was created or last modified. Yeah. Um, at least in it's very web one version. It's like in the nineties. Yeah. Um, and of course a lot of variation there. Uh, but of course they're not going to speak to, um, digital signatures when such right. thing couldn't, didn't exist right. at the time. So, um, it's really exciting to see because you're thinking about accessibility of people buying, selling things or doing things, yeah. or even say people have to get things signed at the notary public or like to apply for a passport, you have to go find somebody who can guarantee your, your passport, just anything that requires signatures. Yeah. You have to go be physically present, which is really can be a barrier to people living in places that are not accessible or they don't have access to those people easily. Right. Also, it's like time, money, gas, like rare and yeah. tear on cars, like all that sort of stuff. So why not sign contracts in VR where you can like physically enter into the place together yeah. physically, you know, into the meta place, um, sign the contract, have it witnessed and have that legally enforceable. I thought that was really exciting. So I thought, you know, yay for tech today. <laughs> that's, re that's really interesting. Yeah. I wonder, like, I can see why it hasn't happened yet. Cause there's probably some difficulty in like, you need to verify the, the person is who they say they are. Um, and sig well, I mean, signatures are extremely weak in that sense anyway oh, yeah. going it's all like the I way back just, to you know yeah you could just go scribble something and you know yes like yeah there's a lot of trust in that system in general so i guess yeah it makes sense and i well i know to to sidetrack a little bit like the legal system really uh adapted quickly like they made huge changes during covid just just because um you know, people couldn't come into the courtroom. And so they, they, um, I mean, there was problems with that, that arose for sure. But, uh, yeah, it's interesting how fast some industries adapted to that, especially the ones that really need to happen. Um, and I guess real estate is something like that. Like it, it needs to happen no matter what. And so, yeah, yeah that's cool to see it. I guess as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, or innovation, maybe. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. So for our main topic, we wanted to talk about propaganda. Um, and this is like a umbrella term for like information wars and misinformation and all these things. 
I kind of wanted to focus it on propaganda, though, because that seems like the word we generally use for something with ill intent, where I think a, a lot of sometimes misinformation is just like accidental or uh, mistaken, you know. But I, I kind of wanted to tease that apart and say, like, how do we think about this in terms of like people deliberately trying to misinform? Um, so uh, I had a couple sources, but I think a good framing one is uh, I don't know why I'm always going back to the Government of Canada website. <laughs> it's really weird. It's, it's not a site I've like frequented that much before but I thought this was like a good uh um framing of misinformation um and so I'll just read this paragraph from the government of Canada website it says a strong democracy relies on Canadians having access to diverse and reliable sources of news and information so that they can form opinions hold governments and individuals to account and participate in public debate um, and I thought this was good for a couple of reasons, but also kind of the details, I think, are like, it's hard to say what does it mean to have diverse and reliable sources of news. Um, like the whole point of looking into misinformation is like, what, how do we, how do we find those things? Um, and how do we actually know that they are diverse and reliable? Um, so this is a major problem. Like, I don't think this is new to anyone that like people think news and the information we're getting is not always reliable. Um, there was a poll or, uh, I think, yeah, from Pew research that said 71% of journalists think misinformation is a major problem. And that was in the U S but I'm, I'm guessing this is pretty much across the board. And I think the public is probably around that same number, like if I were to guess. Um, so as a general like point on propaganda and misinformation, I think it's like interesting how, like I think people are getting a lot more skeptical, but I don't think they're getting necessarily more informed it's more just this like growing uh discontent with what we hear and so i'm kind of trying to figure out uh to zoom out even further from the human v robot perspective like is this a human v robot is this a technology problem or is this just a human problem that's just getting worse is this human v human instead of you know like uh yeah so that's kind of my broad framing of how i'm thinking about it does that make sense to you or is there anything confusing in there no i, I think so i think the thing that i wanted to do is first of all put a little bit of a bracket around the whole thing and when we're talking about propaganda we're talking about from our lens of like kind of the western world um, I don't have a lot of experience with states that issue and maintain control and propaganda, unless you believe the Canadian government does that, um, which, uh, you know, some people right. do. Um, and uh, yeah, the other thing, the other thing I wanted to say is that propaganda is not a new 
phenomenon. Yeah. Um, like you said, that it's something that has existed for a long time, whenever people seek to influence the opinions of others with information that's provided to them in a curated way in order to influence them somehow or convince them of something or reinforce opinions or whatever. Um, and I, I don't know, to, I guess the question that I kept coming back to is the relative effectiveness of that. Um, how effective is propaganda at changing anyone's mind? Right. It can certainly confirm people's suspicions, I believe, but I don't know how likely it is that you would just take a complete left turn in your opinion based on some information like Yolden pamphlet or an article you saw online. Uh, so, you know, that's, I think to me, that's one thing is, I think I can really acknowledge that the, okay, there's two things. Information itself is growing. It's yeah. completely overwhelming how much information we have access to at any given time. It's yeah. unprecedented, never before seen levels. People are very educated. They can all read it. Sources of information you can find anywhere. You can find things, high quality curated journalism to sort of on the ground, people taking TikTok videos in the situation that you want to look at. So there's a lot of exposure. There's not a lot of blind spots, I don't think. Yeah. Um, so information is everywhere. It's constant. It's, there's tons of it. There's also a ton of that gives anyone a platform. Anyone can post anything. People can post about something that looks very legit. That's completely nuts. Like it can be someone's opinion, but made to look very uh, official. Um, yeah. I think that kind of barrier to entry thing is low. I mean, even the fact that we have a podcast means the barrier to entry is pretty low. Um, Whereas in the past, the barriers to entry are just so high that only people who are sort of validated sources can get into the information game. So I, I really don't know, like I can really acknowledge like there's a ton of misinformation out there. And I, I'm not sure how much I feel like this is actually a problem for society. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know, maybe we diverge there a little bit on this topic. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So yeah, to me, it's a problem in that it is... The main problem for me is probably that it it breaks down communication between people because they're starting from a different starting point. I think I, I've experienced conversations where I realize that someone, you know, is has a completely different starting point. And that's that's normal, right? But it it makes it harder to communicate about things when you don't know what their fundamental assumptions are and maybe that's always been a problem maybe that's just something that is why communication is hard you know because you have to actually drill down and find out what what their fundamental assumptions are um but yeah i was so in researching this a little bit uh a couple points stood out is like we like what is propaganda is kind of the main one because like the the definition of the term is more is mostly about like national uh, country like a state or country is trying to um, convince all of its people of a certain viewpoint right like that's that's classic propaganda but there's also like we also like spread it out into like corporate propaganda every company has a certain story they tell which if you're inside is very different than what you hear outside probably um 
And then there's just like the media is trying to get views and there's like certain things they'll overinflate certain things or, or, um, put the spotlight on someone with a, you know, in op-ed pieces and whatever that are, that I, I would consider propaganda, right? Like that they're trying to, they're spreading a certain version of the truth that is going to get them views, right? Um, so yeah, each of those things is like subtly different because I think, like I said at the start, I think some of them are very intentionally malicious and some of them are just intentionally, um, you know, trying to uh, be be like a diverse news source in, in the sense like they're trying to give everyone a voice and some of them are just accidental, right? Like they're, they're, they're not thinking about what they're doing. Um, so the one example I found was uh, the person I generally, one of my favorite uh, bloggers for a long time, Corey Doctorow, has a website called craphound.com. And uh, he's got an article on, you know, Amazon buying Twitch and just like the corporate kind of misinformation about like this will make it more accessible and Twitch will become like much more like under Amazon will be much more efficient and therefore better for users, better for everyone. And that's like one of these kind of corporate propaganda that probably has not much grounding in truth like that's not how these companies work if they if they make a profit they're taking that profit right they're not passing the savings on to us <laughs> no, i don't think so yeah so i mean that's an example of corporate corporate propaganda that i think is maybe like i i'd maybe fall with you on that like i i don't think it's a problem like i i think it's just something we have to know about companies is that they're going to tell the story that puts them in the best light, no matter what. Um, in countries, probably somewhat the same, you know, like they're, they are incentivized to, um, to make, to portray their version of reality as the right one. Um, and, and same with like, so, one article I didn't link because I wasn't sure how to fit this in, but I think it actually fits in pretty good is like right on the NATO website. They talk about how like the, the big myths of Russian propaganda. And one of them, like I was reading through them and I was like, I don't like, I definitely believe there's a lot of Russian pop propaganda going on. But I don't entirely believe that their examples of the propaganda are actually problematic in that, in that the one example they gave was like Russia, th their, their, uh, their myth or their framing of the myth is that Russia thinks that NATO is trying to surround it, right, by getting the countries around Russia. And they were like, and NATO is like, this is a myth because like, look at the numbers, like 18 of the, I, I forget the actual numbers. Don't quote me on any of the numbers, but the majority of the bordering countries are not NATO aligned countries. Right. And like, 
that's kind of misinformation, but it's kind of not. Like you can see their point. Like that. Like if Russia is um, concerned about this, like um, from having my own, like to frame this in terms of like my own little uh, NATO, like my. It, Okay, I'm trying to frame this as like my kids when they're arguing with each other, you can't just tell the one that they can't have the feelings that they're having, right? Like they're having these feelings, whether they're justified or not, you can't just tell them that that's not a valid concern. Like you can try to talk through them, but in a sense, like it's fine for Russia to be concerned about this, <laughs> right? Like it's not, it's not uh, objective fact that this is misinformation. This is a feeling or this is a sense that they have that I don't think you can really say this is propaganda in the classic sense of the term, I guess. Does that make sense? <laughs> I think so. I think, I think what I got from that is that um, there is with propaganda, the problematic thing that I think like we, you've identified clearly here is that everyone's always spinning a narrative as it relates to them. Right. Um, there are just the stuff that's happening in the world, but everyone's interpreting, interpreting how that stuff affects them. So Russia's interpreting the things that they're seeing around them and thinking this is a threat. We feel yeah. this is a threat. Um, this is a problem because we're not a member, we're never going to be a like they're against us, us versus them. And so from their perspective, like, I think it's kind of a glass half full kind of a thing, glass half empty, you could see it both ways. Right. Um, I, I think that, to me, I don't necessarily think it almost looks like uh, then, you know, NATO spinning an alternative narrative. What yeah. about their propaganda? Oh, no, we're not. No, we would never. We would never. You know, exactly. OK, yeah. well, me thinks that us protest too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it seems kind of like, you know, when people are just like, it's fake. It's obviously fake. It's fake news. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, but I think everyone's sort of entitled to their opinion. This is the thing that I think is the problem. Okay. With propaganda. So this is, I think, the sort of fresh issue that I think has been renewed or made easier, facilitated by um, means of communications and platforms like Facebook. The yeah. example that I wanted to bring out of this whole thing is where my mind went when you talked about propaganda is Cambridge Analytica scandal and the 2016 presidential election in the U.S. Right. Cambridge Analytica was accused or did actually um, harvest and uh, the data of um, 87 million um, Facebook users, personal data that Facebook users didn't consent to having shared with another company. Right. Um, and um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot in it. I'm not going to do it play by play, but the point is that data that users thought was just between them and Facebook got shared with another company. That company then can go turn around and be hired by other people like um, presidential candidates or whoever, yeah. uh, you know, election teams to um, influence the election by providing people curated information based on psychoanalytic traits that they think they're likely to respond to. So this right. is, I think, where we get into a territory where we're manipulating people based on certain characteristics that they only they have. So I think like right now, at any time, at any place, you could probably come up with a pretty clear analysis of a person, who they are, what they believed in, how they might act from their online activity. 
And this only like exacerbated the problem because people are online, they're telling what they like, what they don't like, how they act, what they believe in, what they don't believe in. Um, they're identifying themselves completely online. Um, and there's maybe some expectation of privacy, but we know that to be true, that there's not a ton of respect for that privacy. Um, in my opinion, Facebook didn't take a lot of responsibility for the loss of that personal information. They were like, oh, well, it was a problem. Right. They could have done more to prevent it, it seemed to me. So, although I don't have the clear picture there. I think what it is that I'm looking at in the whole kind of human v. robot aspect on this is when we're seeing information curated to change your mind based on who you are as a person and what you believe in and what you're likely to react to, right. it really feels like manipulation is taken to the next level. And right. it gets really creepy because you start to see things like, there's a, a classic one, I'll just say it. Okay. Um, is, uh, you know, introverts, so two beauty ads, introverts respond to, uh, you know, beauty doesn't have to shout, and an extrovert responds to dance like nobody's watching. So you're likely to buy the thing based on messaging that's targeted to you. So there is some evidence that that works. However, yeah. I think when it comes to political opinions, I think we're giving it a little too much cred for how likely it is to actually change people's minds. I think, to me, I don't love the fact that people are trying to curate. Because like I said, people can have the opinions. I can post on the internet about those opinions. Like, I personally, I just really kind of don't see, like, they can talk out of whatever. It's that when people post things meant to, and not out of their personal opinions, but meant to achieve an end to which they've identified based on seeing who you are and how they can manipulate you, right? that's what I don't like. Because if you're just out there shouting things, yeah, you know, you're allowed to, it's like, you're just allowed to shout on a street corner, I think, unless right. you're really annoying other people, probably. Yeah. I'm going to get myself in bad territory here by saying all this stuff. It's like, you're allowed to protest. I don't, I don't know. I just, when you're being very bothersome and disruptive, then I start to kind of think, well, it's just, we should kind of tamper that a little bit. But yeah. Um, anyway, without kind of giving too much away here, I just think that it's this it's sort of this disingenuous factor that I right. find problematic that we can, we can send people messages that we personally don't believe. And we're like, he, 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 look at how stupid people are. They'll believe anything right? because we want to manipulate them to doing something that achieves an outcome that we want. And we don't really care how they get there. Right. So yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how that's different. Like, so in looking into this, there was definitely some cases where this misinformation is spread through self-selecting organizations. Like I, I didn't realize how big Telegram was, but that's basically where all of these uh, Russian channels are. Like they're all happening on Telegram groups. Okay. Uh, and Reddit is kind of the same. It's like this dumpster fire of, to me, I, I've never like, yeah. Reddit is something I avoid like the plague pretty much because it oh, yeah. is these self-selecting groups of people that basically like echo chambers, right? They're, they're all I, just... I feel like everybody yeah. just knows that it's just like nonsense. Yeah. Right? But I, so, so I'm trying to think of how that's different than the, like what you're talking about, the targeted, like trying to change someone's mind by using those... Um, features that 
like because those self-selecting groups also have those features like you can assume that anyone on a certain they want to convert other people to their opinions will be taught yeah will have a certain opinion and so they can like either rile them up or or make everyone agree with them fairly repeatably right um and so I think it's yeah. to me it's about the um, the masquerade of it, the right. fakeness. Um, because if somebody's on Reddit trying to convince somebody of something, I think we kind of see what their ends are. Like they're trying to, they're yeah. arguing their side. Right. Um. And, and like that, this is where I'm drawing the line. I'm not saying it's valid, but this is where I'm drawing the line. Um. Maybe just to make myself feel comfortable. <laughs> I I think to me the other side of it and why I have drawn a line kind of there is that. It's, it's you know, showing or proposing this. It's like written by somebody or something or some whatever organization that they don't really propose to believe in those things or, you right. know, whatever. It, it's just like it's uh, it's only meant for the purposes of manipulating someone. Well, maybe the, right. no such news exists. I mean, I don't know. I'm just maybe it's just like a straw man that I've just attacked. I don't know. Well, no, I think I think there is a good argument there for like openness in in the mechanisms of the system, like like Facebook, for example, like like you brought up, like if that was known that they were using this information to target you, then I think there would be one, there'd be much more public outcry. <laughs> and number two, people would would take it with more with a grain of salt, hopefully. Um, but the. And the other example I came across was like the YouTube information panels. They, they've kind of grown, especially if you're like searching any kind of like potentially sensitive misinformation topic is they, they're fairly much more prevalent today. Like you'll see like a fact checker panel basically saying this is the, the agreed upon, um, uh, consensus view or whatever that is and i think there's like some very legitimate concern about those in that like there there is no way that i could find any way of of like listing all of those and seeing every like in potential information panel that you could see and i think like that's i can maybe see from a corporate perspective why they wouldn't do that but i think it's like Another one of these, like, I, I think there's a concern that, like, um, for true freedom of information, they should be listing every single panel that they're showing people and having independent fact checkers look at them, right? And maybe they are behind the scenes, but I think that should, to me, that should be public information. Um, and similar with like we've talked about with algorithms, like I think there should, like you don't have to give away the code, but I think you should be giving a summary of how it functions, right? So that people are more well-informed about what what potential triggers are they, you know, running across that's causing these things to be shown and why, you know, what information is out there. Like, I, I don't know, it's it's... Or how many data yeah. brokers have touched your information just today or something? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, hey, here's maybe a fix or not really a fix, but an idea is uh, we'll take um, 
take the old uh, Elon's idea of the verified check marks and then put it towards like an independent panel of verifying, you know, two people have reviewed this and said there was like legitimate sources. And I'm not sure, like, then you get into what's legitimate and what's not. And then yeah. people will believe whatever nonsense because they'll just say like, it's all a conspiracy, you know, all this like legitimate sources or something. Um, yeah. I think there's, I think there is a very a big gap in the current tech landscape for a company that does like does this well basically it just exposes its algorithms at a high level and exposes its like the feature sets because like twitter is a great example of like if you had a little more uh like hands on the dials of that you could have a much better experience on twitter right like if you could say these are the types of behaviors like like make them allow them but don't show them to everyone right like if if you don't want to be exposed to a certain thing you could just like turn have some control over that i think that could be a very interesting um business model that like for a company that really takes this seriously and i don't really see any of them doing that right i don't think so either i think that there's a lot of this relates to something i was talking about early today so i hope this doesn't go too tangenty okay um is the like it seems a little bit like a lot of those big tech companies end up being a little bit paternalistic like they prescribe what you can see and not see like they're just in in favor of making their platform user friendly maybe right or keeping control for themselves or whatever they do with your data and all that kind of stuff it's just like we're just going to provide you a nice user interface and people agree to everything yeah 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 okay now get on the platform and just start interacting you know never right. opt out again you can't set any switches or preferences you just have to it's either in or out kind of thing yeah so it's like you yeah, it's okay we got you little baby um and <laughs> yeah. and i think that there's an element of that in politics too where it's kind of like it's all everything complex and emotional and human is reduced into these like talking points that makes it so stripped of any real human interaction and i think that we're just so much more likely to understand people at a deep level if they admit they're a real person they didn't know what to do they did their best they are trying to learn uh, as new information becomes available and, you know, they made a hard call. And I, I think instead of just like distilling it down into some message that they feel is palatable and is risk free, right. you know. So, I mean, maybe it's just like a little bit more of an invitation to just be a little bit more human, I guess. Um, or just to like acknowledge that life is got lots of risks and we don't know all of them. And we're going to just be open and you can be in or out for part of it all of it or whatever you know yeah yeah i think yeah there there is something there's definitely something missing um from that and i i i agree our interactions with government are definitely like that um but yeah even even with like social platforms i think like part of my my reason for bringing this up is that I am actively looking like I, I, I do find some value in having these social platforms, but I'm like, Twitter was already on the edge until Elon bought it. And then I was like, no, this is absolutely not the platform for me. Yeah. Uh, and like, there's, uh, like the main competitor is Mastodon. I think that, that, but, and, but that's much more, um, 
like a Twitter clone where you kind of opt into certain communities and which is good. Like, I think there's, there's some benefit in that, but I'm like, I kind of want something more general purpose, like broad, uh, but also with some more control <laughs> over, over what, how much it's going to waste my time because <laughs> they're all going to waste time for, to some degree. But Oh yeah. I'd like to you're on the hunt for the right social media platform for you. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And yeah, I don't think it exists. So. I don't know. I, I have no recommendations whatsoever. Yeah. Um, is there any other major points? I'm just, just looking at our notes. Um, so there's one, for me, like one final note is like the, uh, there's like the EU versus disinfo website and I'll, I'll put this in the show notes, but it's, uh, it's kind of sad reading it. I, I found myself just like, this is, seems like, like a good thing to do, but also kind of a waste of time because it's one of those things where to actually do the work of fact checking something is way more work than to just put out fake news right you could just oh, post yeah. things like the volume is impossible to combat in a sense where like uh i think it's like it's good to have as a reference but it's not changing anyone's mind anyone that's like receiving this misinformation is just consuming it from the fire hose and any like uh fact checking may may change their mind on a specific topic but doesn't actually uh like it's kind of like a weed killer but not uh like it's not a systemic change like it can't fix the system really it can only like address specific claims um so i think there's like it, it needs misinformation needs a bigger solution than just um combating individual claims i think <laughs> yeah i think you're never going to fight a war on information i always say it's emotion that changes people's minds it's not and it, personal relationships maybe too but never information i have a hard time believing it really ever changed anyone's mind feel free to challenge me on that one um yeah. the one thing i wanted to say is that when it comes to misinformation like two things is first of all I think these drinking from the fire hose people that yeah. all the misinformation out there is confirming their biases. It's not, yeah. it didn't convert them to that opinion in the first place. It's just reinforcing the things that we already think. Right. So what they're finding, looking for, sharing, all of that stuff is just basically reinforcing their opinions. It also seems like um, there's the 80-20 rule, you know, that 80% that, uh, of your you know, output is related to 20% of your work or whatever. Right. I think the 80-20 rule kind of applies a little bit in misinformation is that um, this one study that I found said that uh, in a study of Twitter a couple of years ago, I think maybe 2018, um, said 1% of Twitter users were exposed to 80% of the misinformation on Twitter. So they mm -hmm. found, the, the study found that uh, untrue material accounted for 6% of all news consumed on Twitter total um, and their sample size, but 1% were exposed to 80% of it. So that's not an 80-20 rule, but it's just that in total of that 6%, you know, like who's seeing it as the people is a very, very small percentage of all Twitter users. Right. And the 
misinformation or untrue information that they sort of fact-checked and verified, 0.1% of users shared 80% of it. So a very small right. proportion of actual users see it and a really minuscule par- proportion of users very loud share it. So it seems like to me, I'm saying like, this is a confirmation bias thing again. I'm like, is it a problem? I mean, I think looking at this, I'm not saying that it's not a problem. I'm just saying that it really, really holds on tight in certain pockets and it's really influential in certain pockets. I don't know how much it's shaping huge sections of society Mm. at this point in time. I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I'm on the fence about that like, because I think it's kind of a, a spectrum and I totally agree like the worst the most egregious examples are definitely a huge, very small minority but, but I then think there are it, people that have yeah. these big platforms that's the other problem too I think what happens is when you get somebody who's very mainstream yeah like um, reinforcing this stuff yeah that's when things start to kind of go off the rails yeah there is maybe like I'm also hesitant to go the other way because I think there's there's definitely a reactionary alarmism that's like <laughs> that assumes that this stuff is is spiking at an alarming rate. Oh, like society's like, going to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah, okay. yeah, and I I agree. Like I I don't I don't think that, and anyone that like talks about it in those terms i'm like definitely take that with a grain of salt because i think there is um like even just bringing it out like pointing out misinformation takes some strategy in that like if if you don't make it alarming and extreme the then it doesn't get seen either (laughs) you know like there's this like anti-propaganda propaganda sort of like we're... yeah yeah it's just like if we're just calmly sort of saying well actually it's like no one's gonna see that anyways yeah so I, yeah i'm not i'm not sure i would land on like being totally fine with <laughs> where it's where, where it is currently and where it's going but i i yeah i don't think i can probably summarize my my position because i don't think i have one really that's okay you don't have to commit to one yeah Um, i'm gonna say i i feel reasonably committed but also i feel like i reserve the right to change my mind as always yeah yeah i think like it's important i I guess to me it's important just to to call it out as a thing that it that's happening in the world and a thing that could potentially be extremely much more pervasive because technology enables it to to be if we're not careful about that yeah much more sophisticated yeah and effective yeah like it has existed for yeah all of human history yeah the more we give it information about ourselves yeah uh then the more you know the more insidious it can be yeah like it, it can really uh yeah know a lot more about you than you expect it to or exactly yeah okay cool. well <laughs> I, I yeah again we're not going to solve anything but i think it's a good it's good to talk about it and good to point out some of these uh cases where it affects our lives because i think it's important to to think about it through this lens 
regularly whenever you come across anything pretty much <laughs> yeah okay cool i think so too all right well there's misinformation yeah uh we got our topic lined up for next week um <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know for sure if this will be our uh we're gonna potentially talk about the metaverse i think that's, that's it's on that's the schedule the but no promises no promises okay okay cool well thanks for chatting heather we'll talk to you all right next thanks week. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. To hear all our episodes, search for Human V Robot wherever you find your podcasts.